Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. That's what I like to hear, for this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Ah, yesterday was Let's Talk About a Tuesday Church Folk Day. And we conversed about uh, the story about the fight between two 16-year-olds and some sweet and sour sauce from McDonald's. Well, unfortunately, after these two girls got to fighting over said sauce, that uh, one of the girls pulled out a knife and stabbed the other in the abdomen and the chest. And now, unfortunately... Oh, we have a life that's lost for something so senseless. Yeah, the judge sentenced her to detention until the time of her hearing when the attorney asked, could the young lady be held instead of detention in 24-7 curfew? Mm. That probably would not work. No, not for her. She's gotten a little too far for that. Well, the judge also uh, has something to say, but uh, I don't think too many people were happy with this one. Another judge ended up kind of dismissing a lawsuit in uh, the Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority case because they are trying to keep out a transgender woman who's applied to be a part of the sorority because she's not a woman. Well, the judge says that as he looked through the bylaws, there is no definition for what a woman is. So he could not say yay or nay to the fact of the young lady being a part of the sorority or not. Yeah, 
He didn't render either side. He ended up dismissing the case. And, you know, listen, regardless of what we think of, you know, the transgender um, condition, you, you really have to say that that was a pretty weak way of bowing out. Now, you know, the more I thought about it as we talked yesterday, I thought about the fact that, you know, he probably used that as a way of getting out of making a decision. Because, you know, he says, well, the bylaws don't say what a woman is. Who are you playing? Who are you playing? You know, there is no definition, you know, from the beginning of what a woman is, you know, by science. And, you know, even if you had to go back to the old school, like I said, listen, this has nothing to do with whether I, you know, feel or what I feel regarding this. That has nothing to do with it. Or what you feel, the fact of the matter is, when the bylaws were written, at that time there was only one definition. And what he should have done was he should have required them to now write a new rule based on the difference in what we see and what we know now. Now, they may have another fight on their hand after that, but, again, go with what was back then and move forward as this has evolved. So, I honestly believe that he used that as a way of getting out and, you know, because he probably would have caught all kinds of smoke had he voted, you know, in another direction. But, listen... You know, we're we're running up against some difficult stuff here when we're talking about, you know, gender-defined uh, activities and things like that. So, listen, you're going to have to make up your mind and do what you got to do and, you know, let the fights begin if that's what it, you know, is going to take. Well, one of our biggest conversations yesterday was about uh, the pastor out in Haiti, Pastor Marco, who wanted to go up against uh, Jeff and his notorious gang, who they've been just taking over, you know, for quite a while. There's been this big takeover by the gangs out in Haiti, and Pastor Marco decided to take his congregation wielding machetes and sticks to, you know, Canaan, <laughs> uh, the, the town or the, you know, area called Canaan, to drive the gangs and this particular gang out of that area so they can stop taking over. And unfortunately, it did not end well. Nope, somebody, at least Jeff claims that somebody who just happened to be beside or with Pastor Marco decided to shoot first, so he says. And they shot back at a bunch of people who did not have any guns, so who could not fire back. And unfortunately, a lot of members were murdered and lay on the streets of Haiti 
So now uh, many a family, you know, they're mourning the deaths of their loved ones because they opted to take part in this march. Yeah. You know, we have to be smart as as Christian people. (laughs) We have to be really smart. We cannot take a knife to a gunfight. You know, as Pastor Jeff said yesterday, you know, this is a carnal warfare. You can't walk in not prepared. The same way there's a spiritual battle, you got to go spiritual. So, you know, Christian people, know what you're getting into. Know who you're following. Know, you know, know for sure that this is something that God really wants you to do. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. I'm not even talking about this in particular. You know, the Bible tells us to study, to show thyself approved. You got to know what you're up against. You got to know what the Word of God is saying. You know, we read something the other day and, you know, and I was given a sermon And, you know, ways to, you know, listen to God, ways to hear God when he's speaking. And the word of God speaks to us all the time. And we're going to have to learn to let those words speak to us as though God himself was speaking, because that's exactly what it is. So when the Bible tells us to study, to show thyself approved, that's exactly what we need to be doing. Because the Bible will tell us the things that we need to get involved in And the things we don't need to get involved in So, you know, when you're in a quandary about what to do and what not to do Go to God This Bible that we have addresses every single thing So, you know, if it doesn't speak for your exact situation at that exact time Know that that is the beginning And let God's voice Or the spirit of the Lord Do the rest That's what it's there for Alright Oh that's how we spent our Tuesday Well Today is Wow Wednesday Today is Wow Wednesday And We're looking forward to hearing from the ladies. Yes, the women of warfare. They are on board today. And we're giving God thanks that we have them. And we're going to get this party started. We are missing someone today, an additional someone today. We are still lifting Pastor Charlene up. Uh, Before the Lord To help her continue To get better Uh, I did You know chat with her via text And she says she's coming along So we're giving God thanks For her improvement Well we're missing our Girl Vivian this morning And uh, We won't get No socially conscious segment But we will get some News to talk about All right, so go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead and tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph 
is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Every year in the United States, nearly 300 children aged 17 and under gain access to a firearm and unintentionally shoot themselves or someone else. Nearly 500 more die by suicide with a gun. But we have the power to prevent tragedies like this from happening by practicing responsible firearm storage. Together, we can protect kids using these smart steps. Secure all guns in your homes and vehicles. Model responsible behaviors around firearms. Ask about the presence of unsecured firearms in other homes. Recognize the risk of teen suicide. Tell your peers to be smart. to make sure 
her 15-year-old son, you know, has everything he needs. All right? So she said, listen, he has friends who are working, who's getting, you know, their little, they've gotten their little work papers and things like that, and they're, got they, they've got their own little jobs. And, you know, he sees this, and he wants to buy his own stuff, and he wants to, you know, do what he does and want some money in his pocket. But she says, no. At the age of 33, she said, listen, I've been working since I was 14 years old. And I told him, I don't want you to get a job. I don't think it is a smart idea that you will work until the day you die. You have your whole life ahead of you. Why start now? So she said she will proudly fund his existence so that Noah does not have to work. She says after she started working at the age of 14 herself as a waitress, she spent her 20s trying to find a career of interest. So she said near two decades later, she's working as a photographer and marketing coordinator out in Australia, and she does not want the same for Noah. So she said he's not going to retire until he's like 100 years old. There's no need to start at the age of 15. And I looked at some of the comments um, and what some of the people said, and it, it was quite interesting. It was quite interesting. So I'm interested to know what the ladies are thinking today to see, you know, what exactly they think. You know, we we all started our little jobs early in life, and that's not necessarily the same thing we want for our children, but, you know, we don't always handle it the same way. So I would love to know what the ladies are thinking. All right? Well, huh, this is another thought, and it's funny because I've been kind of seeing this on or in the news, reading this over and over again. I've been seeing this as little uh, comments on Facebook, and I really don't get a chance to scroll very often. But every once in a while I'll see something that hits the news feed, and this is a real thing. And, And I didn't realize it was such a real thing. Well, our next story is where a U.S. district judge in Miami rejected the Burger Chain's bid to dismiss a class action lawsuit, class action lawsuit brought by customers who say Burger King's in-store menu boards show a much bigger whopper than what is actually served. And like I said, I've been seeing this thing here for quite some while. Uh, You know, people have been goofing on the fact that, you know, the pictures, you know, don't necessarily depict what you end up getting when you order and, you know, buy a, you know, a fast food sandwich. And... You know, some people have said the, the the boards in the store, 
some people have said, the pictures on the menu. And, you know, I really didn't think this was a thing. thing. Well, this is a thing thing. And they some of the complaints have been that, you know, oh, it's an overflow over the bun. You know, they put all the stuff on the sandwich. And they said it makes it appear as though the sandwich is like 35% larger overall than, you know, what we get in the Whopper or even double the meat of an actual Whopper. The Burger King um, brand says that, you know, they're not required to deliver burgers that look exactly like the picture. Now, we all have had, uh, you know, we've all have opened up our sandwich wrap and we're looking at it like, well, dag. But the judge has said that she's or he's going to leave it up to the jury to decide what reasonable people, quote-unquote, would think as to whether Burger King's alleged actions amount to a breach of contract, you know, against its customers. Now, here's the thing. Burger King is not the only one who's going against this in court. McDonald's and Wendy's are defending similar lawsuits in Brooklyn, and Taco Bell was sued in Brooklyn for selling crunch wraps and Mexican pizzas that allegedly contain only half as much filling as advertised. I say, people of Brooklyn, y'all go get a life. Really? Y'all got time to run back and forth to court over a sandwich? You know, I'll give my comments, you know, in the rounds, but that's my first thing. When I looked and saw, I'm like, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. That's, that's, they ain't said Bronx. Manhattan, Queen, Staten Island, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. So the people in Brooklyn are really having a problem with these sandwiches. So maybe the people in Brooklyn are just eating too much fast food. I don't know. I'm just saying that, you know, I won't say the other part that I feel, but I'm going to say that much. I'm definitely going to say that much, that maybe y'all just eating a little too many sandwiches. And go home and cook. Go home and cook. Well, we have this issue of this COVID increase. And they're saying that not only COVID-19 being on the rise, but the hospitalizations are on the rise. They say especially in Florida. Now, I don't know if you all remember But Florida was definitely a hot spot back during those high COVID numbers. Yeah, they was like, stay out of Florida. Because remember, they were the state that nobody liked to wear masks. Well, they're saying that not only are hospitalizations, you know, in the nation going up, but Florida is definitely eating up. A lot of that. Now, they're saying that uh, 12,613 new admissions the week ending August 12th 
which is an increase of 21.6% from the prior week, according to the CDC. Now, that's a lot of people. That is a lot of people considering that we've really just started hearing about the increase. You know, we've been hearing about this slowly and slowly. You know, the numbers are going up. But surely not to the degree of, you know, 12,000 people. Yeah, that's the week ending August 12th. So that's like a couple weeks ago. So what they're saying is that they're using, the CDC is using the COVID hospitalizations admissions to determine, you know, everyone's risk level. And they said that as of Friday, much of Florida is considered to be low risk, but some parts of the state are considered to have medium COVID risk level. Well, I got a question. Based on 12,613 people, <laughs> that's low risk. I'm sorry. How many people in Florida that y'all, it was like 3 million people in Florida alone, so this 12,000 is low? That's not low to me. I don't care how many people are in the state. That's pretty high. So they're saying, please go back um, to whatever stage of um, vaccinations and boosters you may have left off, you know, over the, you know, past month or, you know, at least six or seven months. They have mentioned vaccinations again, finishing those boosters. So they're asking people that if you did not finish and get all of your boosters, to please go back and finish up your vaccination. They're saying that COVID hospitalizations in the country is likely due to increase. Um, They're saying, you know, thank God that the traveling is kind of going to slow down now that the summer is kind of going and now you have, um, you know, just this Labor Day weekend to really focus on where people are really going to be up and moving around. And they're saying because of the strains, you know, there have been three new strains that they're um, looking at. They're saying because of those three new strains, you need to look at your runny nose, your sore throat, and other cold-like symptoms. Pay attention to it a little bit more. And definitely, if you don't feel that well, don't look for COVID, quote-unquote COVID, or what we've known to be COVID symptoms, to go and get yourself tested. If you are not feeling well, or if what seems like a cold is lasting a little bit longer, and they're saying that you still do have COVID testing options. There are there are still a few uh, tents up, but know that the free testing is pretty much over. They are charging your health insurance 
So make sure if you're testing with the home test kit, your kits are up to date. And if the tests have expired, they say check the FDA's website because some of the expiration dates have been extended. Now, I don't know how that works, <laughs> but definitely, um, you know, consider putting your masks on again. I do know that in New York they are mandating that we put our masks back on. And, you know, for those who have never taken them off, just leave them on. If you have Try to go back and just put them on again. I mean, better be safe than sorry. Do we want to go back into lockdown? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Based on all of this migrant stuff, we better bone, we really better bone up. Bone down, do whatever we need to do to make sure. So those are your COVID, you know, that's our health tip for today. But we're going to discuss that a little bit. What else? I think I have one more story. I have a couple of wow stories in what I'm going to do. So I'm going to give you one more story, and then we'll go into our wow story today. Okay? Well, Mayor Adams claims that New York City is back. And they're like, don't even try to play us like that. <laughs> yeah, they said that he gave some speech, and it was a PR spin at a breakfast for the New York or brunch for the New York Sun founders at the American Hotel uh, in Sag Harbor. And he says the city is not coming back. We're back back. And they're like, uh, no. Okay. He says that there are only two kinds of Americans, those who live in New York and those who wish they could And they're like, no, the reality check is the city is going from Big Apple to Shrunken Apple, that we've lost a lot of population massively. They say some 400,000 people have left New York City and New York State during 20 and 21. And in 2022, Manhattan was the only borough that did not lose population. They say worse off, 158 financial firms have moved their headquarters out of New York City since 2019, taking nearly $1 trillion in managed assets with them. That's $1 trillion. And they say last year, Financial firms paid $4.5 billion in New York taxes and accounted for nearly a quarter of all personal income tax collections. So that means that if people continue to go, all that goes straight down the drain. All that goes straight down the drain. He also said that there is no disorder. He claimed the city feels safe and orderly. And they're like, ah, wrong again, that our crime level has increased like absolutely crazy. Car thefts 
illegal drug dealing and fair beating are out of control. (sighs) And it just goes on and on and on. All righty. So we're going to talk about those things. So let me, you know, just say good morning to our ladies. Good morning, Elder Night, Tisha. Good morning, Pastor Steph and all my sisters and all of our listeners. How are you today? I am well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. Thank you for such a powerful prayer this morning. Uh, For those of you who don't know yet, or I want to remind you that on Wednesday mornings at about 6.15, 6.20, Elder Night Tisha, if you go to her Facebook page, she has a Facebook Live where she prays each and every Wednesday morning. And uh, today was... Quite, quite powerful. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. What a way to start your mornings. All right. So thank you so much for just pouring yourself out each week for us to get fed before we get our day started. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Elder Night Tisha. We're talking about this mom who says that You know what, she's 33, she started working when she was 14, she spent most of her 20s trying to kind of find her way and uh, and get that career decision going, and she finally did, she's working in Australia as a photographer and a marketing coordinator, and she says she doesn't want that for her son Noah. He's looking at his friends. He's 15, so all of his friends are about the same age, and they have all found jobs. They've got money in their pocket. They're able to kind of flow freely, buy what they want to buy. And she says she'll fund his way through until he goes to college and he uh, can do it on his own, and she doesn't want him focusing right now on that work um, mindset. What do you think? I think that this is actually a very um, prominent conversation that um, parents are having uh, nowadays because there's this, you know, question about, you know, should our children have to struggle like we had to struggle? And if we struggled um, and made it, then we should be creating pathways for our kids to not have to struggle. So there's this conversation um, around this idea of struggle. Should our kids struggle? Should our kids not struggle if we've already made it? And, you know, it, it, some would even suggest that it's a broken mentality uh, or poverty mentality that makes a person say, oh, well, I struggled, so you got to struggle too, you know? So there's this, there's this huge debate and conversation um, about that. But I think it's more than just simply about struggling. I think when you try to shield your children from um, those experiences, you are doing just that. You're shielding them from so much experience that is necessary. You're shielding them from work ethic, establishing and building worth ethic, work ethic, 
teaching them how to function and be responsible by needing to get up and report someplace on time. So it's developing a muscle that will be necessary for them when, you know, they do actually enter into their chosen career space. So I think, you know, what parents neglect or or forget is that it wasn't just about the struggle. It was about what it built in you. It built in you a knowledge, a know-how. It developed muscles that were necessary for you to be able to get to your career and then sustain your career. I think what will end up happen with, happening with this young man is that, okay, he won't have any of those work experiences. He would not have developed work ethic. He will not ha- know how to work with difficult people, right? Like even I, I think about my daughters, their ability to have to navigate working with difficult managers, like that is a muscle that's needed to be developed for your career because nothing promises you that you're going to have managers, right, that are fair and just and, and, and understanding. You may have some really difficult people to work with, and that's part of what this early work experience provides. So I think she's doing more than shielding him um, from the struggle, but she is also uh, taking away the necessity of experience that's needed for his ability to sustain his career choice once he gets there. All right, all right, all right. Okie dokie. Let's see what your fellow sisters have to say. Good morning, Lady Tamika. Good morning and happy Wednesday to you. How are you? I am well, thank you. How are you? I am well and, of course, happy to be on. Amen, amen. Happy to have you on with us this morning. So, you know, what do you think of mom who says, hey, you know, I'll fund, you know, all of your, you know, uh, snacks and travel and movies and all of these kind of things. I don't want you, you know, to work now. You've got the rest of your life to do that. I I think it's... um funny not not haha funny but just you know it, it's strange how one thing will affect one person one way and then it'll affect somebody differently you know I remember going out there and working early myself you know and I was grateful for the for the experience and the privilege to actually get out there you know and make my own resources you know and enjoy the fact that I made my own money, and now I can buy my own things, you know, that type of thing. And and apparently to her, you know, that experience was traumatic or, you know, brutal for her, you know. And so what what ends up happening is the things that happened to us in our childhood, we try to shield our children from from experiencing that. And she has no idea, you know, what what he would come in contact with, but because of what she went through, you know, now she's saying, okay, well, I don't want you to go through what I went through, not knowing, you know, that in actuality you're causing an issue because what ends up happening is he gets the mentality of, oh, well, I don't have to worry about it because mom got it, you know, and what happens between now and the future? You know, okay, fine. You say that you're going to take care of all of his needs. What happens if you get sick? You know, what happens if for whatever reason, you lose your job, and now you have to 
find a new job. You know, you're not looking at any of all of that. We often say that when you make one choice, when in actuality you're making is a lot of different choices. You have absolutely no idea what your future will hold, you know, what complications could transpire between now and then, you know. Um, and, you know, I think it, it, it's a nice concept, but in reality you end up um, causing issues for the child because there's all of these different experiences that he, he, he avoids by, you know, mommy's got it, you know, and, and it could be anything, you know, what, as, as our children get older, you know, for a fact that, you know, something that used to pay or purchase $30 for is now, you know, $70 or a hundred dollars, you know, and, and as they get older, their desires and needs change, you know, whereas, you know, I just wanted this little thing. Now it's, uh, well, I want that. And now, you know, can you, can your finances, uh, pay for the desires that this child now has. Okay, it's simple now because he's 15. But how long will that will that stay? I mean, how long? 15, 20, 35? How long are you going to continue to furnish um, all of his, you know, his needs, his desires, his requests? How long? I mean, you know, are you going to go into debt trying to make sure that you take care of your child? Those are questions that, you know, come about. All right, all right. You ladies are bringing up some real good, good points. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you, ladies? That's good, that's good. I'm well, thank you, I'm well. What's your thought on this? You know, is it too early to get a job? You're going to work for the rest of your life. How old is he again? Fifteen. If he isn't responsible with the things that he already has to do, like school, you know, then no, it is not too early. Um, if you don't feel like he's responsible enough to go and get, you know, a regular job, then start him out with job around the house where he's held accountable, he's learning he's learning responsibility, he's learning work ethic. But I'm I'm not understanding the concept behind you know, you have your whole life to work. So I'm going to take care of you for as long as I have. You don't know at what point as a mother you'll even be physically able to work yourself. To take care of yourself. God forbid something happens to you that you can't work, and now you have a big grown person who's looking at you while you're looking at them mm-hmm. because you didn't put them in the position to learn any type of work ethic. So they may be willing, even if he's willing, now he can't. You, you wanna work ethic has to start from younger. You know, I've worked on jobs with grown people especially men. I mean, either way, it's sad to look at it. But it's just even worse with men um, to look at them and they their work ethic is trash. And it's because they had no real responsibilities growing up. So now they're at work and they're insubordinate. They, you know, don't know what to do. They don't grasp the concept of teamwork or, you know, they're quick to, to walk out quit, all of that, because they never had to, you know, never had to, so 
you know, no part of this seems cute to me. <laughs> so it's not like you're, you're saying your your nine year old son is saying, I want a job, and you're like, listen, relax. Because God spares your life. You're going to have all your life to work. So, you know, let me give you a chore or two. You know, maybe give you a little allowance, but get this work out your head right now. You know, you're talking about someone who's 15. Like, no. Mm-mm. Nothing cute about that. <laughs> well, I happen to agree with you, ladies. Um, I think that. You know, we're we're in a a climate where, you know, we're not going to push them out there, you know, because I do feel that when you're in school, that should be your focus. That should be your goal. Focus on your schoolwork. But especially if he's asking, you know, to work. Mm-hmm. There's no way in the world I would be telling him, no, I'm going to fund at 15. Like you said, Shanti said 9, 10, something like that. You know, okay, you start them around the house. I just got finished, you know, last night as I was trying to find uh, news stories, certain news stories, like what Vivian kind of brings. I saw an article where they said that one of the biggest problems that they actually have, parents are having problems with their um, children who are doing nothing but playing games. Mm -hmm. They're not going to school. They're not doing homework. They're um, they're lazadaisical about everything. They are sleeping until it's time to get up and play games, and that's all they want to do. So here you have a child who wants to go and get uh, a job, and why would I deny him of that as long as he's keeping up with his schoolwork, as long as he's keeping up with his house chores, mm-hmm. then go ahead and let him do what he needs to do. Mariah is nine, and we're in here mm-hmm. sorting gym clothes for a huge order, and there's stuff everywhere. And I literally watched her the other day. I, I just had to hold my head at one point because this this is the time when we need to start them. You know, she was really mm-hmm. good. She was diligent. But little things that were kind of slipping through the cracks, you know, I had to send her to one pile. I said, we need 66 pairs of, we have we have 66 large shorts. That's what we have. But her count kept coming up 88. So I had to just help her do the math on that. No, I don't want you going to get a, a piece of paper. Work this out in your head. Are we over or are we under? If we're over, how much are we over? We're supposed to have this many extra large. You only have this many extra large, but you got this much. I really was just like really strategically working with her, and I had to send her back to this one pile over, and I said, go back. You have too many large, something else, some other sizes in there. And she had to go back to this this pile like five times <laughs> but again this is where we start them like you said Chanty, mm-hmm. you get on the job with i told you i did hr for close to 20 years and the stuff i watched in our mm. younger um uh, uh our millennials it was like oh my goodness gracious so we really need mm-hmm. to it's wonderful that you don't want your child to work but let's get that together you know think about what he can you know, acquire, like you ladies have said, because that's the bigger goal. Do you want him now leaning on you to, and I've seen that. There were a set of parents, they didn't push him to work. 
He is now in his mid-30s, and he ain't thinking about working. And they now got to take care of him. So you know what? This could easily backfire. Mm. All righty. Pastor Seth. Yes. I'm sorry. The other thing that we don't also, um, that we didn't bring to the forefront is relationships. You know, he's going to get into a relationship with a female. That's right. And since mama said that, I got That's you. That's right. Now, he, this is what ends up happening. We get into a relationship with yep. an individual, and he don't want to work. You know, and he's yep. not going to work. And we're bringing home the bacon, and we're cooking the bacon, and we sitting at home, and he literally, at 3 o'clock, when you get home, for whatever reason, let's just say you had to run an errand, he's just waking up. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, yep. what did you do all yep. day long? Thank you, Mama. Thank you so much. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And that's why I brought up the two dynamics of, you know, the the parents who now have, they're taking care of him. And you're right, the relationship. Who you think will take care of him next? The woman. So we better think about this stuff, who we're raising and what we're handing off to the next individual that's going to be with him. So you're absolutely right, Tamika. That That's something we really got to consider. Ooh, baby. All right, what's going on with the Brooklynites here, Brooklyn girl? Where now y'all mad because the Whoppers ain't looking the way they look. McDonald's is falling short, according to you, as well as Taco Bell. Wendy's is falling short. According to you, Brooklynites, what's going over there in Brooklyn, Lady Tamika? I've been in Brooklyn the majority of my life, and I'm not going to lie. I have looked at these quarter pounders, and I'm like, wait a minute. What do I think? I, I honestly was like, okay, who put shrinking powder in my burger? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> wow. I only eat a quarter pounder. I don't like the Big Mac because I don't like the, the sauce, but... You know, even the quarter pounder, why is this thing so small? If I'm paying all this money and you're going price for price, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I, the price has gone up on just about everything. Even White Castle right. burgers, those that don't know, just the little smaller square burgers, you know, even the price on that, you used to be able to feed a whole household of four. And now you can barely feed one with what they give you, you know, and so... I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I, I have a gripe about it, but I also can go at home and cook my own meal. You know, if I want a burger and I want it a little bit bigger, then I'll make it bigger if that's what I want. You know, I'm not one of those ones that is going to have that much of a fuss that I'm going to go back and forth to court with it. You know, I mm. just won't eat it. You know, I'm not going to pay right. this price for a smaller burger. I'm not going to do it, you know, and, and it's my money. I can decide what it is that I want to do with it. I'm not spending my years in court over burgers. Not me. Shantice, <laughs> you're not a McDonald's girl. You're not really a fast food girl um, in these particular areas. Is this court worthy? No. How about we go to court for gloves? No, oh, this, for what? this sounds gloves. gloves. Oh, gloves. <laughs> like, they they serving your food with bare hands, but you worried about the size. And, and I, I get it because I agree. The, the quantity is shrinking. The quality is shrinking, but the price is increasing. 
um, I get it. At the same time, what are, we really take <laughs> we really taking this to court? Like, so when you fill out the paperwork or when you stand up in court and say, Mister So and So or Miss So and So, why are you here? Well, I measured it. I took my measuring tape with me, and I remember back in '99, the they they had the the 14 ounce patty. But now they got, it's just like, come on, no, no. You're not happy with it? Then, yeah, it, it, it's time. And, again, it, it does mean that, and I, I'm, I'm feeling like God is exposing a few things with these, whether it's a fast food restaurant or, you know, a dining restaurant, that has me feeling like, God, is this your way of telling us that we do need to really start eating at home for multiple reasons, you know? So it doesn't mean that you should just be careless about, you know, just throwing your money at these establishments and, you know, you feel like they're not appreciating your money because they're now pretty much ripping you off because that, that's what you're really complaining about. But, no, this isn't worthy enough to wake up, shower, get dressed, and go to court because <laughs> the patty. The, the patties are not like you really have to analyze everything you do in life now. Like you're really going to set an alarm, wake up, shower, iron your clothes, get dressed, go through metal detectors at the courthouse, wait for your time in court to now talk about the weight of the patty of the burger. No. <laughs> Elder Tisha, you know, the other day I was going to do um uh, a story They had a whole list Of When you buy it's When you look at it it's one thing But when you actually get it It's another thing And they had bags of chips You know like the bag of chips um, It has clear at the top But it's Like whatever the design on the bag Is heavy The design is heavier on the bottom And what they did was they had Flipped the bag. <laughs> they flipped the bags upside down to show you that there was really the bag was even it was less. And you know we've always been duped with sold by weight, not by volume. You know on these things. So the burgers and things like that are really not the only areas we're getting duped in. You know, spending our money for mm-hmm. one thing, and we're like, wait a minute, there's a bag of chips here, man. Ain't nothing in this bag. You know, is this, how far do we go? How far do we literally go with this gripe? And that's why I say thank you. Thank you to the individual who have taken up this cause. There always has to be someone that takes <laughs> up the cause. Right? Everyone, right, everyone may not be um, able, available, and have the time to be able to take up the cause, but I do think that, yes, thank you. Thank you, Brooklyn. Thank you to the individuals that is taking a shower, getting dressed, ironing your clothes, and going to the courthouse in order to hold these establishments accountable and to set standards. It is not okay for you, for these big businesses that are making trillions, billions of dollars to rip off everyday families. Families, Brooklyn is considered a food food desert. Here's what that means. That it is easier for an impoverished family to go to a fast food restaurant and afford uh, a five for five 
so that they can feed their entire family as opposed to trying to go to the supermarket because food is so high priced that if you if they try the same ten dollars that they can spend and feed their entire family of four their entire family of five they would not be able to do that uh, ten dollars what that what is that going to get you for a meal for your family at the supermarket now our grandparents and you know they did it they was able to get them a can of spam or whatever have you <laughs> and, and, and 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 make it work but have you seen the price of spam nowadays Ooh, have you seen the price of rice have you seen the yeah. price of rice nowadays and so that's the problem and this is why we yes yeah, we, we, yeah, thank you. Thank you to the individuals who have taken up the cause and who are sitting in court every day in order to hold McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, uh, Frito-Lay's, uh, hold them all accountable because you are making millions of dollars off of the everyday blue-collar worker and you are giving them less for their money. And it is not right. And so, and I don't think, and it will only get worse if they are able to get away with it at this stage of the game. That a Whopper will look like a a, a, a White Castle burger very soon. <laughs> so, thank so I say thank you, thank you so much to the people who took out their measuring tape and met the patty and said this ain't right. Thank you, y'all. Thank y'all. <laughs> Ooh, the Whopper going to look like a White Castle burger. Baby, baby, baby. Um, This is a tricky one for me. This is a tricky one for me. Like I said yesterday, well, Sunday night when I was looking to do our nutrition or our thing on Monday morning, I came across that article. And, I mean, when I tell you the list just went on and on, they talked about the boxes of, you know how we buy the dollar box of, they call it the movie size um, box of, let's say, M&M's. They, had, <laughs> they showed there's a bag inside of the box for some of them. And Skittles was one also where they had a bag inside of the box. And the box had about one-third, can, the bag had one-third of it filled with Skittles. I mean, they this, this list went on and on and on. And I opted not to actually do the the story, only to look here today and see this thing going on in Brooklyn. And, you know, I, I said to myself, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't sit up in court and do it. However, the my my concern is if no one does do it, who is going to flag all of this millions of dollars that they're getting while they're cheating us? That, that, so that was my thought. And I'm saying to myself, well, if it ain't me, then who? Because I can't do it. I, I, I couldn't go sit up in no courthouse just sitting there waiting for my turn. Um, I can't sit that long. So, you know, it couldn't be a Stephanie. But somebody has to do it. And my prayer is once this is presented, then hold then will the judges hold them accountable you know we're looking at more and more things going to court and less and less things are actually getting the results that we need i don't know what's going on in the court system it just seems like everywhere we we move everywhere we shift we're not getting a whole lot of results that we need 
And, you know, I have my own theory to that. But, you know, this is, it is what it is. So somebody's got to do it. Um, if it's the Brooklynites, is it, you know, the Jerseyites, whoever, you know, it is, somebody's got to do it. It can't be me, unfortunately. But it has to be brought to the attention of someone, my 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 prayer is that it does render the results. And whoever gets this before them on that bench says, you know what? I opened up, you know, a, a, a can of five ninety nine or te- what did I look at the other day in the store and the thing was ten ninety nine and I almost had to go ask the people, can I find a chair? Because I need to sit down. It was a can of something. And I was like, oh, my gosh, are you serious? So it is, it's really just um, outrageous, the prices of everything now. So let's just hope and pray, ladies, that we get some results that we actually need. Oh, we're, we're coming down, we're coming down. Uh, let's talk about this, this uh, our favorite conversation where Mr. Mayor, Eric Adams went to this brunch uh, for the New York Sun founders, and he tried to, I don't know where these people live. Maybe they live out in Sag Harbor. I don't know. But they were talking about certain points that he made and that these, you know, these things were not true. And one of the things he said um, those, there are only two kinds of Americans, those who live in New York and those who wish they could, when in actuality people are fleeing New York. Now, a lot of people are not fleeing New York. Some people will stay in New York, but the fact of the matter is there are more than two kinds of New Yorkers. Um, those who used to be New Yorkers <laughs> should be added to the list. Also, the um, statement is there's no disorder he said that the city feels safe and orderly when in actuality people will not ride the trains, people are very nervous, and the um, crime has gone through the roof. We also have the bullet point on, um, I didn't read this one before, but he said the migrant crisis, the, me- the immediate remedy is allowing people to work. They're professionals, they're writers, they're journalists, they're in medical professions. We have a shortage of nurses. We were given a gift. We now need to manage that gift, and that has come on the heel of another um, article that I did read where Governor Hochul and Mayor Adams are saying, you know what, it's time to give the migrants some work visas let them work, and then we'll discuss um, them becoming um, New Yorkers or United States citizens, wherever they are, because I'm damn sure they're not the only two people, uh, you know, powers that are saying this in their state and cities. So they're saying that there are a whole lot of jobs. They, you know, they, they are willing to work, which is very true, but just give you know give them work visas, give them work, and then come back and say, okay, you know what, you can now. All you have to do is work 
you'll become a citizen. And now the bigger people, the Republicans are now concerned that, okay, you know what that that means? That means that a lot of people are going to continue to come over here illegally because technically they're saying that they're illegals. Despite the fact that they have been, quote, unquote, allowed to come, that according to them, they're illegals because they're coming over here without a without a real goal and able to do what they need to do. So, Shatish, you've got the first leg on this one with, you know, this this uh, campaign where um, Merrick, Merrick, Mayor Adams is trying to convince, you know, these people that things are not really where um, they think or, you know, people have told them it is. What's your thought? Well, in the aspect of giving them something productive to do that will help to keep them, their minds on something constructive, that makes sense. And another thought that came to mind was, again, how it's like you're just slapping the citizens who are here already <laughs> in the face who have been looking forward or have been, you know, trying. Not everyone here has been able to work. You know, there's always something to do, but have, have they... Have they been able to work? Almost like the homeless, have y'all been going out of your way to make sure they have somewhere to live? Have have we been going out of our way to make sure that the New Yorkers who are here, that they have work? But yet now, the Republicans, in my opinion, have a valid concern. So they are illegal, but yet you're making a way for them to work before you make it official that they're legal here. So what is now preventing those migrants who are not here yet from trying to get here because I can get there illegally and before I have to be concerned about becoming a legal citizen, I'm not able to work. I, I don't I don't feel like the process is like certain things are being prioritized the way that they should and it is sending a negative message to them at the same time for those who are here and probably have been turned down for work for whatever whatever the reason is, and you haven't been going out of your way to make sure that you help them, the ones who are willing to work, but now you're making sure that they find work. It, it's still not looking right and, and sounding right to me. And like I said, the, the Republicans, that's a valid, valid concern because what is now, you're helping it to make to look a lot more attractive to just, Listen, by any means, just get over here. You're going to work. We're going to make sure you work. And then, you know, you become illegal. We'll, we'll take care of that on the back end. But, no, I, I don't think things are being prioritized the way that they should. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Elden Atisha, there's a lot to be said here. What are you saying? Well, I have a, a, a couple of different thoughts around this. One... I think um, this idea of letting them work, um, one, they, they, they want to work, right? Americans, unfortunately, I think we have been, we've been hindered by our privilege. And so we become picky and choosy and then 
if we are working in spaces that we feel are beneath us, then the service that is provided is substandard. Uh, every time I've come in contact with um, someone from another country who is working here in America, they are so happy to be doing what they're doing. Even if mm, it is simply mm. opening the door, yep, they are it is. With a they are. because they uh, because they understand what it's like to not have, and so mm-hmm. they come here and they take the thing that we take for granted and they appreciate it. And so the idea of allowing them to work um, because they want to work, I'm not mad at. But then there's mm-hmm. something else I hear. There's something else I hear in this. I think another concern for me is that this kind of sounds like slavery. Like the fact that mm-hmm. you will say to a person, you can come on in. We won't make you legal, but you can go ahead and work and build up our economy, mm-hmm. build up our system, build up our communities, and, and then we'll mm-hmm. see if we are going to let you set. Mm-hmm. What? That sounds very much like what was done mm-hmm. to, the, to, the, to the African-American who is currently mm-hmm. here. That we were brought in to toil you the land, work the land, mm-hmm. and then you said thank you very much and wanted to just ship us back to wherever or, or just not give us our stake and, and our ownership for the development of this land. So I think that's the other thing about this that is very concerning to me, is that this sounds to me like slavery. Yeah, go ahead and work, mm-hmm. and we'll see after you work whether or not you'll be legal. Mm. All right now, all right now, Lady Tamika. Hmm. Now I have a totally different. Well, it's kind of in line with Elder Natisha, but I'm thinking about just the way we pick and choose. We have to be very cautious and very aware of verbiages. We're thinking about, okay, we call these people asylum seekers. We understand that they come from another country um, and they, you know, other countries, let's put it that way, and have come here because they didn't have any resolve. We also have situations where in our own country we have had individuals that have had to be uh, um, placed into another state, but it's still their country, and we call them refugees. Here's, the, here, here's where I'm going. You think about Katrina, where people were removed from Louisiana and um, surrounding parts to relocate to Atlanta, New York, and other areas. You know, this is their country. You know, um, they were born in the United States. We label them refugees. There were other places that, you know, other areas where they've had, you know, people have had to move within their country, you know, and the, the, the whole thing about that is it, it's almost as if we pick and choose what we want to do, you know, we, 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 and we don't stop these people. We don't, we won't allow them to work, you know, and so we're creating chaos within our own country um, and we are not taking care of uh, those that have been here who have born, who, who were born either in the state or in the country. We won't take care of them ironically, you know, in, in the way that we should. You know, and we're making a, a, a harboring just so much chaos, and it's right up underneath the current, you know, and we're putting them in areas and streets and schools and jails and, and um, asylums, and, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, 
if it hadn't been for those that are praying and those that are working and those that are doing what they can do, you know, the, the, the city, the state, it would just kind of implode, implode on itself and eat itself. You know, we know of areas where there is chaos because, you know, you got people sleeping on the street. They came from their country where they're having a hard enough time and then they come here and they can't, they can't find uh, a way of finding resources for themselves. You know, they can't employ themselves. And she's right. You know, they get here and they, they, they love what they do. They, they, they love the fact that, you know, they can work. And, and we have gotten to the point where we, um, the, some of the mentality is that, you know, we, we earned it. You know, and, and if you have ever um, had to go to immigration and listen to the tests that they take, to learn what we half of us don't even know. You know, you could you could ask simple questions about, you know, the history of of the world and a lot of us don't have to ask those questions. We came here and that's it. You know, they get here and now they're here and and we won't even provide the right things. You know, we got people in tents, you know, and that's 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 really harsh. You know, they they're coming to a place that's far worse than what they've had. At least that when they're home you know, they had a place, you know, they had four walls, you know, they had, you know, and you don't have people in, in churches where there's not a bathroom, there's not a, a shower for them to maintain themselves. It's quite cruel and unusual punishment. But mm. all of you have hit on some things. And, you know, when I was reading all of this and then read what the Republicans um, was saying several things hit my head. Number one, the first thing I thought about was the fact that yes, when they get here, they don't care what they got to do. They sweep your floor, they'll clean your bathroom. It don't matter. They massage your feet. It don't matter as long as they're working and they can get a, a, a pay. They're happy. They're not even. They don't even care much about what you pay them. They'll do it. On the flip side, American people, they are picky and choosy. They get mad when they said foreigners have come over here and taken jobs. I re, I, I'm not buying that. They're not taking a job that you left. Um, you left it open. It's available. They took it, um, you know, because it was available, not because they took it out your hands. Um, you know, they they have really not done a lot of what they could do. On the flip side of that, you have where, you know, some people need to be educated. They need to further any level of knowing what they need to do to get better jobs. What are we offered here? We're offered higher education where you need to be able to take out loans and all of this kind of stuff. We All the money that they're putting out here now for these asylum seekers could have easily gone to educate the people who were willing to go and further their education, but it wasn't made available to them. Now this, as I'm reading, Mm -hmm. now it seems to be we're targeting and it's becoming a little clearer why they have been brought here because I kind of thought the same thing kind of on the same level as Elder Natisha. Okay, so now you're willing to give them work visas. You want them to work. You ain't made them legal, but they're willing to work. So now you're going to take and sap from them what they're willing to do, but you're not willing to make them legal. Well, first of all, to make them legal is a long process. So here's what you're saying. Okay, we'll let you work. We'll quote unquote pay you, but from where? From where? In order for us to get jobs here, you got to provide 
status that you are here legally and you were born a citizen or you are a citizen. You have become a citizen. So now you're mandating that the people who were born here have credentials. I could not hire a person. You cannot hire a person if they do not establish identity and they do not establish the fact that they are legally able to work here. So now you're going to bypass what you've mandated Americans to be able to do, but you're now going to give them the opposite way first. No, you're going to sap them. So now it makes it a little clearer as to why these people have been able to come over here. Because, see, there's the bargaining tool. Now, because we've been wondering all this time, everybody's just saying, oh, I wonder why they're coming here. Why? What's the big, you know, what, what's the big uh, trade-off? For the, ah, now, now things are becoming a little clearer. Now you want to get what you feel you are not getting. Let them come over here. Let them do whatever you they need to do to get, you know, for us to benefit off of. So now you get all the McDonald jobs uh, filled out. You get all the buses filled. You get all the teachers filled. You get because you know what? You're going to expedite their process. And now, how fair is it to the mm-hmm. people that have been here? I'm not talking about those lazadaisical individuals who just cross their legs and they don't want to work. I'm talking about the ones who really want a job, but because of credentials, they haven't been able to. Even Even people who came mm-hmm. over here. And they could not provide, you know, the the credential that they were legal here. We could not hire them. So what does that say to them? Even if they, whether they came here legally, whether they did come here legally, and then they had to, you know, get their paperwork together, you couldn't hire them before that process was complete. So, I mean, because when you even sponsor somebody to come, do you realize what they need to do to sponsor a person to get over here legally? They've got to establish that you can house them. You're going to be able to take care of them. Your income is great enough to take care of your family as well as the people that you're bringing over here. There's a lot of stuff, and they, we have to fill our papers as an employer to, as to help them get their people here legally. So until when they came over here, quote, unquote, legally, we still could not hire. Even if that company promised a job that says, you know what, we'll give them a job when they finish the process, we still could not hire them until they finish the process. So now you're going to now reverse the process for 100,000 people in New York? We're not talking about across the United States. We're talking about in New York alone. You're going to now expedite, push them to the head of the line? I don't think so. I don't think so. This is a, this now it's all becoming clear. This is what you wanted these people here for. You want to sap them for whatever they're willing and able to do. And you're going to do whatever you need to do to step over the American people or the people who have been here trying to still get their credentials together to be able to work. How fair is that? How fair is that? And it's immoral. So this is a big old mess, a big old mess, and a big old mess. And it's going to get, like um, uh, Lady Tamika said, it's going to get messier. This is going to get real messy. This is going to be a big explosion that they're not going to be able to handle because you're, you're still not going to be able to give all these people jobs. So then what are you going to do with the rest of them? So it's, it's just a mess. It's an ultimate mess. And prayers, <laughs> prayers and more prayers going up.
I've actually switched gears. Thank you, ladies, for indulging me on my news today. I actually had switched up what our conversation was going to be. And then I stumbled across... Um, I stumbled across an article, a, a Dear Abby article, and it kind of fell in line with what I was going to talk about as the main um, topic. So instead, I said, you know what, I'm just going to read this Dear Abby. Let the ladies counsel, you know, those who are out here and can't get this together. <sighs> okay. Dear Abby. My husband and I have been married for 18 years. It's a second marriage for both of us. He cheated on his ex with me. Soon after we were married, he told me that, given the chance, he would cheat on me, but that I shouldn't worry because no really pretty woman would ever want him. Six years into our marriage, I needed to find something on his phone and saw he had signed up on a dating website for married people looking to cheat. We went to counseling. He said he wasn't planning on following through. He just wanted to see what was out there. Not long afterward, I noticed he had checked a website for dating foreign women, but he needed a credit card, so he gave up. Off to counseling again. I told him that was strike two. Last month, I went on vacation with my daughter. Last week, he accidentally deleted something on his phone and asked me to find it. What I also found were emails from women offering their services, all of them sent while I was away. Send money. I'll send more titillating photos is what was written. He claims he didn't ask for them. There are eight or ten. My question, is this strike three? Lady Tamika, we're going to start with you. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, So this is one of those instances that, you know, when you decide that you're going to get married, Make sure you get all of that out if that's something that you, you know, you want to do. You know, why bother engaging in a relationship or a marriage and you're not planning on being faithful? You know, as far as I'm concerned, his mindset is always somewhere in there, I'm going to get me some, some by somebody else other than you, you know. And he's telling you, you know, and the fact that, you're just not you're not listening to exactly what he's saying. He's gonna do what he wants to do, you know. And then he kind of puts a little, uh, I guess, a little sweet thing on it. Oh well, don't worry about it because nobody wants you, you know. Uh, that that just doesn't make any sense. And she just obviously, you know, the way that I'm seeing it is she's and she's enjoying being married. But there's a lot of other things that come with being married, and accepting this. You know, you're just kind of going along with whatever it is that he wants to do. You're not clearly listening to what he's telling you. He's clearly telling you that I'm going to cheat regardless. All righty. All righty. Shantice, what you got? There is an app for married people who are looking to cheat. I... (laughs) 
Because you found that app, that's all the strikes right there. Just because you found that app. Just because you found it and it was appealing to you. Like, what are we really doing? What, what, the, the first thing was you, you were the side chick who now became the main chick. So, of course, you got a whole lot to worry about. That's just way too much of a headache for the rest of your life. Because you'll never know if you'll then be replaced with another side chick. Then he finds an app of people who are married and looking to cheat. Then he's pretty much saying that if I had enough money to get reconstructive surgery and look better, you would have already been replaced with a new side chick. But because I'm insecure and I don't look good, or because I'm confident in the fact that I don't look that good and I don't think I can pull the woman that I'm attracted to, you ain't got nothing to worry about yet. I ain't found nobody yet. It's just like, what? <laughs> Girl, tell them bye. Tell them bye. And spend some time with yourself. And let God heal you. And let God choose if he has somebody else to use. Because this, everything about this letter just says, y'all already ended. It's already over. It, it, it's, it's already over. He already has his eye out for the next one. And I'm really not hearing as to, like, anything that she could say. It's not that something can't be, you know, done with him that can help turn him around. But what do you think you can say at this point to help turn his mentality around? Because it, it, it just sounds like he, he's already out there. Whatever he has set his mind to do, he's going to do. And, and that's that. So I that just sounds like that relationship is doomed. Alrighty, alrighty. Elder Nod Tisha. Okay. Okay. So I don't even want to talk about him. I'm not even interested in talking about him. Sis, I just want to talk to you and I wanna say to you that you've always been worthy of more than him and it is not until you get yourself in a place where you start identifying your self-value your worth that you will make the decision to say that he is not worth the effort or the time or the investment that you are putting into it you being made in the image of God says that you deserve dignity you deserve to be treated with respect. You deserve to, mm-hmm. to have all of the attributes that make up what trust is supposed to be. And he is incapable because of his own issues, because of whatever he's looking for, he is in search of. You married yourself to a, a roaming. You know how when the phone just keeps spinning and spinning, it's roaming, it's roaming. You married that spinning thing that's going to keep spinning. It's going to keep spinning. And you can't stop him from spinning. He needs God to stop him from spinning. What you have Mm -hmm. to do, sis, is identify for yourself that you don't want to be a part of the spin, period. How long will you keep plugging into a GPS that's broken? How long will you keep plugging into something that keeps roaming? He keep roaming. He keep roaming. He keep roaming because Mm -hmm. he doesn't have peace. 
yourself. You've got to find peace within yourself and make a decision. I'm not roaming with you. You're not dragging me through the muck and the mire, destroying my self-esteem, destroying my dignity, destroying my self-image because of the fact that you are unstable in all of your ways, you crazy man. Miss, I need you to love yourself enough to make a decision to say, forget all these strikes. We're not counting strikes. Let's look at what it is. Let's look at the reality of the situation for what it is. You married someone who's lost in his tunnel of roaming, and now he's dragging you through it with him. Let it go. Get off. Disconnect yourself, sis. Love yourself enough to say, I'm, I'm not doing it. You're not going to just drag me through the muck and the mire. I'm good. Alrighty, mm-hmm. ladies. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. Uh, I'll reserve my comment for my closing. But we do have a few more minutes. So we can go to our uh <laughs> our our list here and it kind of goes to the latter comment um from Elder Naitisha. I want you to talk to the ladies today. And what I'll probably do is because I want to get to a lot of these, I'm going to break it up. But there are some that I will probably, you know, keep for the round. So there's a list that men have made that itemizes their biggest turnoffs when it comes to women. And one of the first things that's on this list, smoking is on this list. And mm. they said that this came up on this list so much, it was it had to go first because this was one of the biggest things men said that turned them off about women who smoke. And I'm going to still start with you, Lady Tamika, as we are grabbing you on, you know, like any second we got. So give us give us give us that uh Give us your thought on men really being turned off by women who smoke. I this 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 actually is you know um, it's comical because literally less than a week ago, um, Al and I got into a conversation about that. Um, we were somewhere and I can't remember. Some woman was like she was she she had a cigar, you know and. She was smoking her little cigar, and, you know, both of us don't like smoke at all, period. You know, and he was just like, he was repulsed. You know, it wasn't just one of those things where, you know, he disliked it. He was just like, oh, you know, that's that's horrible. I said, but men do it all the time. What's the difference? You know, I don't like either one smoking. You know, how is it? Why is it? He's like, it's just repulsive. You know, I just don't like, you know, the fact that she's lighting up and, and I said, well, what is he, he literally couldn't tell me the difference between the two, but he said, he stated to me that it's just like really, really repulsive, you know, and I, you know, to me, I don't like it at all, period. Um, but that definitely, you know, we could put a check mark on, check mark on that one because he definitely affirmed it. So what would you like to say to the ladies? I want you all to talk to the ladies. These are what the men are, these are the things that the men are saying. They're turned off. So, ladies, you're hearing this now. Now what? So, you have the smoking. What are you saying to the ladies? Well, 
I feel like anything that's going to cause damage to your physical body, there is nothing about smoking um, that is beneficial to your physical health. Please understand that although it's a stimulant, it's not a benefit for you. You know, there are all different things. They've been talking about it for years. There have been commercials for centuries telling you what damage the, the, the whole idea of smoking. Not only that, the presentation. If you're looking for me and they're telling you that it's repulsive to them, then it's something that you should definitely stop. You know, we understand that it has an addiction as well. Do what it is that you can do for your own sanity and your own health to get rid of something that's going to cause damage in today as well as the long run. All righty, all righty. Shantice, the next item on this list, men say they cannot, they are completely turned off by women who are not healthy. And and one man says, I don't know why, but a girl who can't eat a darn vegetable irks my nerves. What are we saying to the women? <laughs> Women, vegetables are healthy for you, okay? <laughs> Green things are your friends, okay? It helps with your inside as well as your, as your outside. You want to be appealing before you even get to a man. You want to be appealing. Vegetables help you look beautiful inside and out, okay? You want cracks and all of this on the inside and outside of your body, then stay away from vegetables. But not only that, ladies, you have to also understand that when you are coupled up with a man, he is relying on you to stay on him with a lot of things. And one of the things that men rely on women for is staying healthy. So if now he's looking at you and you're decaying and and, and you're, you're going, you know, day by day because you're not, eating your vegetables, that means you're not encouraging him to eat his best, his vegetables. And one of the worst things is, ladies, if you ever notice men who are health conscious, it is a huge turn off for them because now they consider you a liability. Because if they like to work out and, you know, they, they like to eat healthy, they like to couple themselves up with women who, even if they're not into, like, exercising and working out and they're, like, a health guru like they are initially, even if you have, you know, you conform a little, they, they can get with that. They, you don't have to be a fanatic like they are, but, you know, they, they can get with it. But you, you don't want to be looked at as a health liability to a man who is either relying on you to assist him with keeping his health up or, again, for those men who are, you know, health conscious and are aware of the benefits of vegetables, and now they're just looking at you further away because now they're trying to be on point with, with eating good, but here you bring in, in chips and cakes and all of that because there, there's no in-between. either with the vegetables or you're with the junk food. And you don't want to be introducing a whole lot of junk food to a man who knows he needs his vegetables. But here you on the other side doing something else. No, it, 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 it's just a huge, a huge turn off for them. So just make sure you try to keep that in mind. Either way, you're responsible for him eating his vegetables. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, Elden IT Show. They say this one came up a heck of a lot. It turns men off, and they really hate when women use the wrong your and your while you are oh. Y O U apostrophe R E. They say they can't stand a woman who uses poor grammar. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's what I will say. I think, right, it, it's all cool for us um, to be able to identify what man doesn't like. But I think it is more profitable for us as women to worry more about what our God does not like and what he does not want for us. Because I think if we concern ourselves with what God, um, his standard and his expectations are of us, then we become attractive to all who see us, including man. I think man is too fickle for us to base um, who we are and what we're going to do for I think one man say vegetables, one man say smoking, another man says physical, another man says grandma, another man says, like, so man is going to always have an opinion about something. I think it is more profitable for us to really refocus ourselves, to understand that our body is the temple of, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that in order for us to fulfill purpose, we ought to operate in excellence. And that excellence and taking care of ourselves does not include smoking. It does not include um, any of the things that is on this list. And that is also that we want to represent the king. As women of God, we want to represent the king, and we want to represent the king in excellence. And that is inclusive of our educating ourselves. That is inclusive of, of us taking care of ourselves. That is inclusive of us being the best version of ourselves. And that if we look up, where we are able to see the standard and the excellency of our God, it sets the standard for us. That then positions us for the one who God has for us, for the man who sees us, for the man to to look at us and love us, but not love us based upon all of his particulars, but love us because we are women of God. <laughs> and I, I think it is more profitable for us to focus there. And so, woman, I say to you, connect to the master, connect to the king of kings, because in doing so, then you'll lose the taste for smoking cigarettes because you'll understand that, no, I need my lungs in order to breathe to declare the works of the Lord. I need my physical health in order to fulfill purpose and destiny. And, and I need to be attractive because the Holy Spirit is attractive. We are attracted to God because of his goodness, his kindness, because of who he is. There is an attraction that we have. And when we connect to God, there is an attraction that lives on the inside of us that causes us to gain favor, the Bible says, with men and women. So I, 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 just, I think it's more profitable for us as women to stay focused on our God, and to really submit ourselves to the authority of God, to the standard of God, that then does away with all of those things that's on the list. All righty, ladies, thank you so much, as always. 
We thank you for your contribution to our conversation today, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you. Have a blessed family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. All right. Let's take this opportunity to go before the Lord, holding hands and holding hearts, as I always like to say. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you, and always we thank you first for all that you have done to even, for us to even be here, for us to even be here just saying thank you to us, to you. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to just continue to love us the way only you can love us, dear God. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, even for these conversations that it gives food for thought, it makes us, it should drive us to you, dear Heavenly Father, to ensure that we are living according to your will and your way. Are we paying attention, God, to the size of sandwiches or what's in a bag, God? Are we paying more attention to that than when we read our Bible, how often we read our Bible? Are we paying attention, Lord, more to, you know, the the fact that migrants are here more than are we loving our fellow man the way we should be. Lord, all of these conversations we have, I pray God would take us to your mercy seat and, you know, ask you, are we where we need to be as individuals? Am I focusing on the right thing, dear Heavenly Father? What can I do to improve your kingdom here on earth? Am I a soldier in your army the way I need to be? Am I standing on the front line or am I hiding in the background? Have I come to you to figure out what I need to do, not only with myself, but with my children? opposed to just making decisions for my child without consulting you first. All of these conversations, God, my prayer is that we seek you first. Because as long as we seek you first, you will help us with everything behind that initial question. That we would lay ourselves on the altar so that we can be fixed, that we would not be roaming around here because we've been left to a reprobate mind. That we're not on our own tangent and we're not worried about what you think or or ask you our will, uh, uh, your way and your will for our lives. That we have not created ourselves and we have no business making decisions for ourselves. Mm, Thank you, dear God, for the awareness each and every time we speak that something else becomes more prominent in our thoughts, but that you are at the head of the line, that that totem pole starts with you and everything else comes behind it. We thank you for each minister here today, God whether they have the title of being a minister or not. But that's what we do when we get here. 
We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, each and every day that we just leave ourselves open and available to be used. God, we thank you for the time that's been set aside for these two hours every day. We thank you for the opportunity to be used. We thank you for choosing us, dear Heavenly Father. What else would we be doing? What else would we deem important? How else would we start our day off? What would we be doing instead of ministering each and every day? We thank you for those who tune in to listen. What would they be doing? What would they be listening to? And we pray, God, that we continue to do exactly what you want us to do each day, that we say exactly what you want us to say each day, God, that it would not be our words, but it would be your words that we again would be standing and positioned to be used by you each and every day. Thank you. Thank you for the very air we breathe. You own it all. And I pray that we continue to turn it all and give it all back to you. Thank you, Father, for investing in us just one more day that we would not be the same as when we woke up this morning, that these two hours would make that big of a difference. That maybe you've even answered and settled a matter that we came into this morning with. We thank you for being ahead of the game. And again, we ask that you just care for this world in your own special way, God. We submit and lift all of these issues to you, God, and understand that a lot of our problems come from saying no. Well, I pray that enough of us continue to stand up to say yes, that we help to turn the tide, that we can make a difference in this world the way we are supposed to, that we understand our power that we understand the power that you have given us and that we would execute walking with you, knowing that there is nothing we can do properly if we do not make you the head of our life. Thank you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, I... I was looking over this list, and I kind of chuckled last night because I said to myself, I said, you know, one of the things that we get caught up in is people. And, you know, I, I then looked and saw the article about the woman who wants to know if this is strike three. And I said to myself, I wonder how many times she's altered what she does, what she thinks, based on what he wanted. And I honestly believe, just like I said in the prayer, that we find the importance of making God first in our life because when you look at this list God wants the best for us 
And when we look at this list, some of the things that I didn't get to were things that are real personal. And one of the, you know, I started off with the smoking and the being unhealthy and the poor grammar because that's outside of a man. Those should be things that we want for ourselves. The your and the your while you are versus the while you apostrophe y o u apostrophe r e. Those should be things that we want for ourselves. Those are, those should be things that we don't even you know want to do. Period. You know how many times have we even seen the commercial on TV? How people that your fingers are amputated, and you know you can't. Even, your, your sons are now taking care of you because you smoked, and it's deteriorated your life and your body. And now your children have to take care of you. That in and of itself, forget the way it looks, just what it does to your body. However, there were other things on this list, such as short hair, such as.、Um, Being funny, such as、um, you know, some other things that are real personal to a person, which means that we are going to have to cosmetically accommodate your desires. And I think we need to find a special balance. The Bible also tells us that he who finds a wife finds a good thing, and that goes that goes far. I think it's a little farther than some of us even think. And one of the things is, when you're attractive, like Elder Natisha said, when you're attractive to God, that man who God sends to you, for you, if you will, he's going to see the beauty that is in the Lord. However, however, we do have to understand that there were going to be some things that, you know, he. Is going to prefer, and then let's be logical. It's going to be things that he's going to prefer. Now, if it means that I got to always wear my hair short because you don't like long hair now, you know, you got to start thinking about little things like that. But there are going to be things that he prefers. There is no happy marriage out here where the man just looks at the woman, the woman just looks at the man and says, "I love absolutely everything about you." We've had women talk about the way. You know he dresses. She has to dress him, or she likes to see him in this, and he allows her to dress him. Then that's kind of giving way to her preference. So we cannot believe that in no particular or no way at all we are not going to, you know, kind of customize some things. But again, this is a three chord. Issue. This is you and God, Him and God, and then the three of you. If it doesn't start with the relationship between you and God or Him and God, y'all are going to be an absolute mess. And it doesn't matter what's on this particular list. It's it's not going to matter whether it's something healthy or something unhealthy, whether it's something cosmetic or whether it's not cosmetic. It is going to be an Absolute mess. Because if you don't think about your health, I, I I can't understand how an adult is telling me they don't eat vegetables. I, I I don't get it. Kids, absolutely. By the time you become an adult, regardless of whether you're in the Lord or out of the Lord, there are certain things you need to just mature into. 
And when I hear men and women, I've heard men and women say, I don't eat vegetables, then what are you doing to your body? How are you making all these plans to accomplish all of these things, but you're not taking care of your body? Because if you don't take care of your body, your body doesn't take care of you, which will disallow you from doing all the things you have on this list, whether it's traveling, whether it's getting this particular job, whether it's getting married and having children, whatever it is, you don't take care of your body. Your body doesn't take care of you, but your body first belongs to the Lord. God owns it all. So, again, that's why I say even in a relationship where you have to, you know, there's going to be some things you're going to have to give and take. I don't care who you're with, who you're with. There's going to be some things that he really loves about, that he really likes. He like, does he like to see your hair up in a ponytail? He really loves that. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. But it's just something that accentuates you when you pull your hair up and it's in that bun. It just brings out your eyes or, you know, your eyelashes or your teeth, whatever it is. But we all will go through that, period. Because at one point or another, it is a physical attraction. And I'm not talking about erotic. I'm talking about just plain and simple physical attraction. Does he like when you wear high heel shoes because it makes your legs look prettier? Whatever it is. So we, we do have to realize that there are things on a list for a male and a female that we're going to have to pay attention to. We're not going to be able to dismiss that list altogether. But, again, if you give yourself to God first and you find out from God, A, who you are. We don't even know who we are without the Lord. Honestly, you don't know. You, how many times have people gone chasing their dreams and chasing all these occupations and all of these kind of things, and then they end up going backwards to do something else because they finally listened to the Lord. Your life doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. So the very job you choose, the very man you're looking at, the very woman you're looking at, you know, where you live, yeah, how you raise your children, everything should be given to God. And once you do that, then life is enhanced. We can't make it without God. I promise you that. I don't care what that list looks like and how you might be customizing your life for that list. But unless God has your life first, you're going to be spinning your wheels like a hamster. You have a woman whose husband told her from the beginning that he would cheat on her. And she's at the point of wanting to know if this, if this is strike three. I got to ask you about a strike when you've already told me what you want. But if you sought God regarding that relationship, maybe you wouldn't be here asking, Dear Abby, if this is strike three, you wouldn't be here. Go to God. Let God let you know. Let God tell you who you are. Because let me tell you something, if you don't know who you are, 
you're going to accept a whole lot of things in life from people. Forget about just your husband or your wife. You're going to have those friendships where people walk all over you and you allow people to take advantage of you. You're going to be on a job where people are misusing you and using you. Unless you identify with God as to who you are and what he wants for you, your life is an utter mess. I don't care how much people look like they got it together. I always say sprinkle a little Jesus on that thing and watch how much better it becomes. People love to tell you, oh, my grandparents, they were married for 60 years and they didn't go to church. But had they sprinkled a little Jesus on that thing, you don't know what that marriage was really like. Do you know how many older people tell you their marriage was really a mess, but they made it look good? Do you know how many times people tell you how many marriages you know on the inside it's an absolute mess, but on the outside they clean that thing up and they look like, whoo, polished gold and diamonds, but they are a mess. So stop looking at things assuming that it's what it should be. Let God take control, please. The more I allow God to take control of Stephanie, the more I see peace in my life because it's what God wants. The more I loosen those reins and give it to him, the more peace in Stephanie's life. And the more people let go and give it to God, that's their testimony. There's more peace in their life. Because you trying to control things and you trying to make it work and you trying to fit other people's mold, mm-mm, it doesn't work. Give your life to the Lord. And I promise he'll make the ultimate difference. And that list will be extremely short. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew, the ladies, for always coming through big time. Please, please don't, don't miss this opportunity to give Jesus your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to give um, to strengthen your relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, where it's Therapeutic Thursday. Until then, I love 